0: Uh, we're going to continue our series. Now, we would have ended last school year, uh, but because of this little thing, I don't know if you've heard of it, um, COVID-19, uh, it stopped everything, okay? So uh, we're going to pick up where we, where we left off. There's only about two or three more lessons in this series, and then we'll be done with it, and we'll be moving on to a new series. But just to kind of refresh your memory, I'm just going to kind of talk a little bit about what it was. We, we, we talked about this idea of, How can we find what God wants us to do with our life? I don't know if you've ever had maybe a mom or dad ask you, what are you going to do when you grow up? And you say, I don't know, something. I haven't decided yet. I talk to seniors all the time, and even seniors are going I don't know, I'll kind of wait till second semester, and then you talk to them second semester, they're like, I'm waiting for the first week of June, and then you talk to them the first week of June, they're like, I'm just waiting for August to come around, then I'll decide, I guess, whatever I'm going to do, and sometimes it's a very difficult question to answer, that, that, that's why it's one that we kind of avoid many times, we, we just say, well, I don't know, um, sometimes the, the spiritual answer is, I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do. You ever heard somebody say that? What are you going to do with your life? I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do with my life. And then the question is, well, how do you know what God wants you to do? How do you know what God wants you to be? So we, in this series, begin to break down how is it that we get there? How is it that uh, we finally get to a destination in our life where we say, I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am doing what God has called me to do. I'm doing what God created me to do how do we get to that point well we said first of all in the beginning of this series that there's a mistake zone that we all have to live through and the mistake zone usually is by age uh, 13 uh, all the way to about age 25 Uh, in that in those 12 years of life you can make a lot of really really bad decisions dumb decisions And let me tell you, I've been the youth pastor here for 13 years. I'm going on my 14th year, and I've seen many, many that have come, that have sat where you're sitting, that have heard different lessons and and different truths of God's word, and have made some really bad decisions. And they've gone through that mistake zone. And so the the first thing we got to think about is in this time, in these 12 years, okay, I need to avoid some bad decisions, and and I need to make some decisions right now that are good decisions, that by the time I'm 25, I'll be glad that I made those decisions. So we talked about avoiding that mistake zone, being careful in the mistake zone, and we said, how do we do that? How do we avoid making bad decisions? How do we make good decisions? Well, we said, there's some tools that you're going to need. We said, in our life, there are tools, uh, just like you have a tool bag, or maybe going back to school, you have school supplies, I just kind of bought some for, um, for Elijah who's going into first grade, my son, and uh, we're going to all through Walmart and buying all this. Oh, I hate to say it, but it's just useless stuff, right? You, you get like four folders, and you're like, you're never going to use four folders. I, I remember, it, okay, I probably, I'm probably i going to go off on a rabbit trail here, but has anybody ever showed up to school on the first day with just like one folder and a pencil? All right, awesome. See, that's my people right there. That's, that's who I was. I'm like, I'm not buying five folders. I don't need five folders. Anyways, um, But uh, I was doing school supplies and you get all these tools, right? You buy all these supplies so that throughout the year as you're learning new lessons, you're learning about math and grammar and science and all these things, those tools help you to either remember things, write things down, help you to learn information and to apply it in your life. That's what we get uh, supplies for. Well, in our life, when it comes to making right decisions, we also have tools that we need to have. We said, number one, uh, if you're going to make right decisions, that you need to have a serious mind, a serious mind. And so uh, if we're going to have a serious uh, mind, if we're going to make right choices, we're going to have to have a serious mind. That is one that is serious about the things of God. We're not just going to uh, kind of float through it, but we're going to have a, a real um, focus on the things of God, a serious mind. Secondly, we set a pure heart. You cannot end up where God wants you to end up with a heart that is perverse, with a heart that is crooked, with a heart that is all about you and selfish. Uh, You need to have a pure heart. Number three, we said a courageous spirit. We said if you're going to, and we studied about Joshua. Remember Joshua going into the promised land? He had a courageous spirit. You're just going to have to make some decisions that are tough decisions. Sometimes decisions that your friends aren't going to like. Sometimes decisions that the counselors at school are not going to like. Sometimes it's decisions that maybe your parents will not like, but uh, they're decisions that are biblically based. They're right decisions. They're what the Bible teaches us. And if we have a courageous spirit, we'll make right decisions. Then we said the fourth tool we need is God's wisdom. We need to ask God, God, would you give me wisdom and understanding? We said wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. And I love that definition, seeing life from God's perspective. And the reason I do is because there's a lot of things we would not worry about if we were just wise at looking at it. Uh, One of the things that you experienced during your uh, middle school and high school years is this thing called dating. And and later this year, we'll probably be talking a little bit about dating. But there's a lot of things that happen and decisions that we make in this world of dating uh, sometimes that... Uh, when, when something goes wrong, when, when we break up, we think the whole world is crashing down. And if you've ever dated and broken up with someone, you know how that feels. You know what I'm talking about. You know, nothing tastes the same and you're kind of in your room and you're alone and you're kind of like, I can't believe that, you know, she broke up with me or he broke up with me and, you know, why didn't we try to work it out or whatever. And, and there's just like little depression there that's there. But let me ask you something. If you knew that that person 10 years down the road was gonna be someone that was gonna make you miserable, someone that was gonna be beating you, someone that was not gonna be feeding you or providing for you, you'd probably say, man, I'm so glad I got rid of that girl. I got rid of that guy. I'm so glad I didn't end up with them." Why? Because you're seeing it from a different perspective. You're not looking at it in the here and now. You're looking at it 10 years from now and saying, that's what I need to know. I need to find the person that God wants for me. And that takes wisdom. So you need that tool in your life. And then we said a life of faith. You need to have a life of faith, believe what God has said. If not, you can't make good decisions. Now, once you have those tools, we said there's four steps that you can take. Number one, we said we can refuse to trust ourselves. Don't be looking at yourself and say, I know what's best. And in the teenage years, that's how we get. I can tell you, you might not believe this, uh, I'm 36 years old, I'll be 37 in two months, and I used to be 15. I used to be 16. There were times when I would tell the pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. If you're wondering why I said that, it's because he's my dad. There were times where I thought, oh, uh, dad, you don't even know, you just, you've never been in my shoes. Dad, you've, you've never walked the, the pathway that I'm walking. And now I look back and I think, how foolish Now I'm 36 and I'm saying, you know, dad might be the smartest guy I know. I wish I would have listened back then. I wish I would have had a little bit more wisdom. I wish I would have had a life of faith to to go uh, down that road and believe God and just refuse to trust myself. The second step you do when you you have these tools in your life, the second step you take is seek and surrender to God's will. You say, okay, I'm not going to trust myself as to, Uh, what I think is best, I'm going to ask God, what do you think is best? And seek his will. And then number three, you take time to pray. And prayer is simply talking to God, and it's asking God, what do you want for my life? Now, let me just say, God's not going to answer with an audible voice. Go to Home Depot, I'll make you manager. God will not do that. He doesn't say, become a lawyer. When you ask God, what should I do? When you're starting to pray about that, God will begin to work things in your life, bring some things together in your life where all you will be able to see is what God is doing. Do you know that there's one book in the Bible that doesn't mention God at all? Anybody know what book that is? is? Doesn't The name of God in the Bible, you read that book, you won't find God's name not even once. You know what book that is? The book of Esther. In the life of Esther, and you read that book of Esther, you won't find God's name once, but you do find God working in every chapter. You, you do see God doing something in the life of Esther, in the life of her uncle uh, Mordecai. You, you see God moving, and listen, when you begin to pray about the decisions that you're making, that's what God does. You might not see him everywhere, but then you'll look back and you'll go, man, God was in that, and God was in that, and God was in that. I've shared this many times, but when I was 18 years old, I went to live uh, with my brothers, uh, Jason and John, in Clearwater, Florida. And, uh, and I remember they, they both were working uh, my brother John was going to, to uh, call uh, to college there at Clearwater Christian College my brother Jason was working at a hospital and there at the age of 18 I was driving a little Mazda truck I had to drive an hour and a half to get to school I was driving from Clearwater Florida all the way to Riverview and you got to cross Tampa to get there I drove an hour and a half I got up every day at five in the morning to get to school on time and uh, as I was doing that that year when I was 18 years old I had to begin to make a decision am i going to go to youth jason couldn't take me john couldn't take me i had to decide am i going to do that and many times i can tell you i remember staying after school and just kind of staying in my car until I made some friends, and then when I made my, uh, some friends, they were so nice and gracious, I Said, hey, you can come and stay at our house, and, and I wouldn't go all the way back home, I would just stay at their house uh, when school was out at about 3 o'clock or 3.30, and then we'd stay there, and then at 6 o'clock in the church there that we were going to, they'd go out and knock on doors and invite people, and I would go at 6 o'clock, I'd be there right on time, I'd go, we'd go knock and invite people, at 7 o'clock, we were in the youth room. Uh, Pastor Joey Ford, he was, he was a big influence in my life, and, and he helped me in my life to make some pretty smart decisions during that time. And if you ask me, do you think you wasted your time when you were 18 years old with some of those decisions, I'll say, absolutely not. In fact, because of those decisions, I'm standing here right now today. Now, I could have made some really dumb decisions, but in that time, just praying, in that time of seeking and surrendering to God, in that time of saying, I can't really trust myself with some of these decisions. I need God's wisdom. God, help me. Now, I want you to notice the fourth one, and that is godly counsel. The fourth step you take is, okay, let me go and ask some godly counselors, what do you think? I'm thinking about making this decision. What do you think? What would the Bible say about that? And then suddenly, you'll you'll find yourself getting tested on those decisions. And that was the last thing we talked about in chapter uh, 15 and lesson 15. And if you have a, a, an iPhone or a smartphone, you can go to uh, the podcast uh, app and you look for 90-degree leadership and you'll find all the lessons that, we've, that I've just talked about right now in the last 15 minutes. You'll find them all there. You can listen to them and get caught up if you'd like. But all of that happened uh, in, in, during that time. And now we get to the point here in... Chapter number 16 and lesson number 16, and we, we ask ourselves, now we've gone through all the, we have those tools, we've gone through those steps, but pastor, what happens if I make a bad decision? Has anyone ever made a bad decision? You ever dated someone you shouldn't have and you made some bad decisions in that relationship? You ever made a bad decision to lie to your parents about something and later it came back to hurt you? You ever made a bad decision to lie about someone that you really didn't know if it was true but you just didn't like them and you said, well, I, I think I this is what I heard and we call this gossip. You gossiped gossip about somebody else. You ever told somebody off because you were so angry and then later said, man, that was really dumb. What happens when you make a bad decision? Well, I gave this story last time when we started this lesson. It was... Uh, the story of uh, Pastor Kerry Schmidt, he said when he was young, uh, he decided that he was going to uh, buy a pet chicken, and he thought it was going to be the best thing ever. He bought this chicken, and, and then he has uh, two other brothers. They wanted chickens as well. They bought three chickens, and they thought, this is going to be the greatest year. We're going to feed them. We're going we're to get eggs from them. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to enjoy it. And you know what happened? He found out, he said, that taking care of chickens like 90% of the time is picking up their poop. He said one day he woke up, they were in the backyard, and it looked like it snowed, except it wasn't snow. It was chicken snow. You know what chicken snow is? Poop. When they poop, they poop white, in case you're wondering. And the whole yard was covered. He said, it was so disgusting. And he said, uh, my mom came to us. She thought she was going to break our hearts by saying, hey, listen, I think we need to get rid of the chickens. And he said, when my mom came and told me, I think we need to get rid of the chickens, he said, they both started, all his brothers started clapping. Yes, mom, let's kill them. Let's eat them for breakfast. Whatever. I don't care. We don't want them anymore. He said, it was a bad decision. But you know, he said, one of the things I learned from that is that you don't always you don't always have to keep a chicken after a bad decision. You didn't have to keep that chicken and keep trying to clean up after it and do it. He said, you know what? I can can go back on that decision. And it's the same is true in your life, young people. If you've made a bad decision, listen, you don't have to live the rest of your life with that decision. You can can come back from that bad decision. Uh, You can find some things that God can use. And in Acts chapter 15 in verse number 36 I'll just share the story really quick, but uh, it says that uh, Paul and Barnabas, who were partners in the ministry, going to different uh, cities and preaching the gospel, uh, they, they took one young man. I don't know how old John Mark was. Maybe he was a teenager. The Bible really didn't say his name, but it was Barnabas's nephew. And they took him on this journey, uh, this missionary journey, going to different places. And you know what happened? About halfway through, this guy, John Mark, he quit. He said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going with you guys. It's just not worth it. Now, let me just say, if you say, why did he quit? Well, uh, most cities that they were going to, they were throwing rocks at them. They were putting them in uh, prison. They were beating them. They were falsely accusing them. So you get the picture. If you were there with Paul and Barnabas, it's not a fun time. It's not vacation. And John Mark just got to go, I'm just tired. And he quit. Well, about a year later, Paul says, hey, Barnabas, let's go back again and let's revisit all those cities and churches. And Barnabas said, hey, John Mark wants to come again. And Paul said, uh-uh, the guy quit on us. Yeah. And Barnabas said, I know he quit, but listen, we can, he, he wants to get back in. It was just a bad decision. And Paul said, no. And him and Barnabas split because of that. Barnabas said, fine, well, I'm going with John Mark. Paul said, fine, and I'm going to go get Silas, and him and Silas went. But you know what happened at the end of John Mark's life? In the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he he told Barnabas, hey Barnabas, can you bring uh, John Mark? Because I've seen that I was wrong about him. He did come back. He did do right. He did stick to it. You can come back from bad decisions. You don't have to live the rest of your life in bad decisions. So here in your notes, I want you to understand this truth. Number one, there is a second chance when you do God's will. There's a second chance there's a second chance. God doesn't say, oh, you messed up. I'm done with you. I don't want anything to do with you. No, God gives us a second chance. And let me just say, if you've messed up, God says, there's a second chance for you. God loves giving second chances. We studied earlier this year, the book of Jonah. Jonah was a man that also made a really dumb decision but God gave him a second chance. You look in Jonah chapter three and it says, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. God loves second chances. God loves giving second chances. He gave a second chance to Moses who murdered someone. He gave a second chance to David who was an adulterer. He, He gave a second chance to Rahab who was a prostitute. I mean, God, listen, people have made some really bad decisions, but God's always there to give you a second chance. God is willing to give a second chance. Notice in your uh, notes tonight, John Mark started serving God faithfully in that first journey. But he didn't stay there. It came a point in John Mark's life where he forsook. He said, I'm done. I can't, I can't do this. I'm not moving forward anymore. I, I, I can't really make it all the way. And he forsook God's work. work. But then there was a time where John Mark returned to God and became effective in ministry. That's where I say in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul said, you know what, he's profitable for me. Bring back John Mark. Why? Because God loves giving second chances. There is a second chance in God's will. If you're here today, you say, I've made a lot of mistakes, Pastor. Can God still use me? Absolutely. But Pastor, you don't know, if I were to tell you what I did, uh, you may not even look at me the same. I know, but God, God is a God of second chances. Secondly, not only is God a God of second chances, but starting God's perfect will starts today. You see, you can come back from that bad decision and decide today, I'm going to do what's right. You can decide today, I'm going to do what's right. Listen, what is behind you cannot be changed. Right? That almost sounds like a line from The Lion King, right? How many of you all seen The Lion King? When the monkey hits uh, Simba. Oh, it can't be changed, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- listen, it, it, it is true. Listen, there's things that have happened. That mistake that you made cannot be reversed. It is what it is. You have made that mistake. But you don't have to live in that mistake. You don't have to stay there. I love what Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, forgetting those things which are behind and looking towards those things that are before. Paul said, I press towards the mark. Listen, Paul was killing people before he got saved, killing Christians That's why they were scared of him. That's why when uh, Barnabas said, hey, I'm gonna take Paul up to Jerusalem, the leaders at Jerusalem said, are you kidding me? Have you heard what Paul does? He goes into people's homes and takes them to jail. I mean, that's who the guy is. No, 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 we don't need to bring him here. But God knew he's profitable for that ministry. God had forgotten what was behind in Paul's life. Uh, Number three, God has future blessings if you follow him today. Whenever you decide today, I'm going to follow what God says, I'm going to follow where God leads, then you'll find blessings from him. And then let me just say, uh, number four, determine to live God's will from today forward. Uh, You've made a mistake, okay, then just decide today, I'm going to live in God's will starting today. Uh, if there is a time where I said something to my mom and dad that I shouldn't have said, listen, from now on, I'm going to talk right to my mom and dad. I'm going to ask them to forgive me. I'm going to ask them to, uh, to, to help me and keep me accountable and, and I'm going to move forward. I'm going to treat them right. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them. I'm going I'm to serve them. Just determined to do God's will from today forward. And let me just say in the next two minutes, lingering damage from the mistake zone. There are some mistakes that, and some decisions that have lingering consequences. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about if, if you're a young man or if you're a young lady and before marriage you decide to sleep with somebody and a baby comes out as a result of that, that's a lingering consequence. You can't go back and change that. There's something there that you made, and now this new, wonderful baby that's there is born in a situation that he shouldn't have been if you would have just obeyed. So what do you do? There's lingering damage. Let me say that every bad decision has bad consequences. Every bad decision. Some are more serious than others, like I said. Some are more serious than others. But every bad decision has bad consequences. That's why you got to make the right choice. But let me just say this in your notes. Even bad decisions or bad consequences can be worked together for good. Listen, I, I, I've got friends that they were born in that kind of situation. Their mom got pregnant outside of marriage. She could have said, oh, I've messed up, and that's it, and this child can never do anything. And today, uh, they're they're pastoring. Some are uh, youth pastors, and others are pastors of churches that were born in that situation. You see, even in the bad consequences, God can bring it for good. And whatever the bad decision that you've made, God can work it for good. God can. God is a God of second chances. But then there are decisions, and I want to end with this, that we call a window of reversal. There are decisions that you can make, but you can stop before you go all the way with it. There are decisions in your life that you say, man, I I, I was going to go forward with this, but you can stop right now. You can say, "Uh, I'm not going to do that. I was planning to do that this week. I remember a story that my my dad uh, used to always tell. If you look at his, uh, I believe it's his right hand. When he was young, when he was about 10 or 11 years old, uh, they were cooking uh, in the farm where he grew up there in Nicaragua, and they used to cook literally over an open fire with a pot, right? And the pot turned over and it burned his hand. And, uh, and my grandfather, uh, it was late at night. There was no more buses going to the city. Uh, he wrapped it. He put some, uh, uh, some ointment on it. And, and he said, listen, son, I, I, can't, uh, I can't take you to the hospital right now. There's no buses going to the city. We'll never uh, get anywhere. Uh, it's already too late. It's too dark. But I'm going to pray. And when I pray, let me tell you something. God does things and tomorrow I'll take you to the hospital, but I got to go and preach right now at a church. When I come back uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to go to the hospital on the next available bus, and we'll take you to the doctor. They take him to the doctor the next day. The doctor said, I don't think he will ever be able to move that hand again. I don't think he will ever have feeling again. The burns were really, really bad. And my grandfather told my dad, listen, don't worry about what the doctor said. When I pray, God works. And I'm telling you, when I pray, God works. I'm going to pray. And you know, over the next few months, as they went back to the doctor, the doctor was shocked. Not only did he begin to have feeling just fine and moving his hand just fine, his color of his skin came back. If you've ever had a a burn, uh, you know sometimes the the pigmentation of your skin is, is done and you can't, it doesn't come back. But with my dad, it started coming back again. My grandfather said, I'm telling you, when I pray, things happen. Well, one day he was going, he was a teenager, and uh, they had invited him to a dance, and, and he knew that uh, they, uh, uh, they're at dad's house. Awesome. Yes. Excellent. Sorry, he was slagging me down. So he was going to a dance. He knew that his grandfather had said, No, you can't go to that dance. And, uh, and he said, Well, I'm going to go to the dance. I, I don't, you know, dad's a little bit crazy, and I'm, I'm going to go where I want to go. And so. Um, He was old enough, my my grandfather couldn't really tackle him at that point and make him not go. He was about 16 years old. And uh, my grandfather just simply told him, he said, I know you're walking to the bus and you want to go to that dance, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And son, you know, when I pray, God works. I'm going to pray that it's not a good time for you. I'm going to pray that if you make this mistake and this bad decision, I'm going to pray that God will not allow you to have fun there at that dance. My dad said he got all the way to the bus and all that he can think about was, man, dad's going to pray, dad's going to pray. And as the bus bus pulled up, he looked at his hand and he remembered, man, when dad prays, things happen. He said, I'm not going to go to the dance anymore. And he went back home. He was about to make a really bad mistake, but then he didn't. That's called a window of reversal. Listen, before you make a really bad mistake, you don't have to make that mistake. You can change that. You can have what we call a window of reversal. Now, let me just say, many bad decisions cannot be undone, and that's true. There are decisions, as I said earlier, that the damage is done, and it's going to linger, and the consequences are going to be there. But there are decisions that can be undone. There are decisions that you don't have to go through with. Let me put it this way, because I know... Uh, in this digital age, we all struggle with this. Listen, you don't have to hit send on every post that you want to post. Has anybody ever, like, somebody did something to you, you were going to post on their page, or you were going to say something on Instagram, and right before you hit send and uploaded it, you just said, no, I better not do that. Right? That's a wise thing to do. Why? Because a bad decision was avoided. It's called the window of reversal. And let me just say, when that happens, let me give you some advice. Don't be too proud to undo a bad decision before it's too late. Don't be too proud. Say, man, I was about to make a really dumb decision, but I'm not going to do it. You don't have to, you know, listen, half the time when you're going to do that, you might have friends say, oh, come on, quit being a chicken. Hey, man, are you, are you going to be all in or not? And it's just better to say, you know what, I'm going to swallow my pride here and say, I'm not all in. Hey, I'm not going to do that. Now that I think about it, it really is a bad decision. And you can make a decision and, and undo, avoid a decision that's going to bring a consequence that you don't like. You can get out of that before it's too late. What do you do? What do you do when you make a bad decision? Remember, God's a God of second chances. You need to decide today, I'm going to do God's perfect will. I'm going to uh, avoid Uh, making some lingering damage in the mistake zone. In these years, I'm going to try to avoid making bad decisions. And anytime I have a window of reversal, I'm going to change. Anytime I can go back and not go forward with that decision, I'm going to do it. Man, if you do that, listen, you're going to get exactly where God wants you to be. You're going to get to where God's destiny for your life is. I'm telling you today, I'm telling you this evening, that's how you get there. And that's how you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm living and I'm doing what God created me to do. And there's no better feeling. No better feeling at all. So I want to encourage you, if you've made mistakes, it ain't over. Decide today to do God's will.